everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Ethos Celtics podcast. Yes, we have rebranded from Hoopball. We are now called the Ethos Celtics. Thank you guys for coming in. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, and my co-host here, as usual, Lucas Gaynor. How are you doing today, Lucas? Uh, we are coming off some big wins for the Celtics, so I am doing A-OK. My Patriots won again. Patrick, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, man. I mean, we we on a three-game win streak right now. We're feeling good. You know, just blew out Houston, 108-90 at home. The, the Celtics are kind of clicking right now. They're, they're kind of clicking a little bit. And Jason Tatum has been a big uh, reason for their turnaround, I think, as well. Uh, you know, scored 30 points in each of the last four games or more. So he's starting to find his rhythm. Um, you're not hearing a lot of that chatter about his offensive game anymore. And he's looking aggressive and, and going to the rim. He's shooting a lot of free throws now. Yeah, Tatum looks like he's kind of finally adjusted to the – New style of refereeing. He's really looks much more relaxed, much more himself out there. And he has proven it with these 30-point games. And like you said, I mean, it, the Lakers game is about as aggressive as I've ever seen Jason go into the hoop. So that was just an absolute joy to see, especially against the Lakers. Yeah, no, that Laker game was, was amazing. And you already know that Jason Tatum loves playing the Lakers. It was his childhood team that he, he enjoyed playing, you know, watching. And Kobe was his favorite player growing up. So, you know, every time he gets the opportunity to show out when the Lakers are on the court, he's going to do it. Like, he loves to play the Lakers, and he puts on a show, and he was nothing but magnificent in that Lakers game. Well, yeah, honestly, the Lakers game, I was not really expecting, um, you know, to go super well, um, given, you know, that we didn't have Jalen or Rob. But honestly, I mean, it was a fantastic game. I mean, like I said, Tatum was incredibly aggressive going to the hoop. Um, we had a lot of contributions, um, you know, across the board. I know um, that it was really just Tatum did the majority of the scoring with the 37, but uh, definitely, you know, Schroeder and Smart definitely chipped in with uh, some really efficient shooting nights. Yeah, man, Tatum had 17 points just alone in that first half. The Celtics did come out really, really ugly in that first quarter. Uh, it was 30 to 38 after one quarter. They had seven turnovers in the first quarter. That was something that needed to change. They got a lot better at it, um, caught back up, and went into halftime down only 1.60 to 61. It was a really high-scoring offensive juggernaut type of a game. And next thing you know, the Lakers in the second half just – pulled away like they they scored 70 points in the second half compared to the 60 in the first half and they were able to hold that that laker team to i'm trying to do the math here in my head as i'm going but 47 47 yeah so 70 to 47 in the second half that's how you you finish out the game pretty strong the celtics team uh coming out that second half was was a whole different team and they did this all without Jalen Brown as well and, and LeBron James did play for the Lakers this is his return game from his injury and he, he definitely was he was playing well as well but Anthony Davis was a guy who gave us a lot of trouble in that first half and I thought we did a good job containing him in the second yeah I agree um AD definitely had a great game you know he put up 31 um but like you said you know we definitely seemed to contain him you know down the stretch in the second half um you know, a big difference in this game was free throws. I mean, the Celtics took 38 free throws. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume that's the most free throws we've taken in the game this year by at least six or seven, uh, probably eight or maybe even ten free throws. Probably 
probably more. Um, we were 31. Like by like yeah, 31 to 38. That's a great percentage. Lakers, um, they shot 24, which is a sizable amount, but that's still 14 less than we did. Uh, that accounted for 13 extra points, which is, you know, huge over the course of, of the game. So I think that just really, you know, points to the fact that the Celtics are, you know, not, or at least didn't settle for threes. You know, they know to attack the room, play, um, you know, physical inside the paint because that's how you win games. And also, only seven offensive rebounds for the Lakers. Didn't really feel that that was a giant problem. Um, you know, the Celtics out-rebounded the Lakers in total by 18 rebounds. So that was a, another really big positive from the Lakers. Yeah, I was just happy that the Celtics were attacking the paint because going into the game, the Lakers only ranked 28th in the league in internal defense. So they aren't a good team at the rim. They really can't protect the inside, the paint. So the Celtics were good at attacking that, and Jason Tatum was especially really good, and he was – he put on some grown ass man type jersey and, and just went out there and was a, a absolute bully in this game. I thought he did a really good job of just not settling for jumpers and, and just getting into the body of his defenders and then making the right passes when he was getting drawing those doubles. Yeah, no, listen. I mean, I feel like if you don't watch the Celtics every night, I don't think you can understand how good of a passer uh Tatum really is growing and can grow to be. I mean, he every single night it seems like he's just making more and more amazing passes. Like even in the game tonight um, against the Rockets, you know, it wasn't even an assist, won't show up on the stat sheet, but he had an amazing behind-the-back pass to Horford that, you know, was a really advanced read that maybe, you know, last year or even definitely not the year before Tatum would make. So that's just a real positive in his game overall. Yeah, man, the playmaking Tatum is a thing, and I love playmaking Tatum. And we need that. He does a lot. Yeah, he does. We totally need it. That's the next level for him, too, as as a player to elevate himself to that next tier up. I think if he, you know, can be this 30 points per game guy and have a playmaking level like he's showing that he has the ability to break through into, once he breaks into that tier, like, then you're talking about a guy who's a top 10 player in the league. That's That was the guy that we talked about in the offseason. Like, if he's going to jump into the top 10 players in the league, this is what he has to do. He has to be able to go out there, get you 28, 30 points a night, and also be able to play, make, and make the people around him better. And honestly, in these last few games, he's shown that he can do that. Like, he is capable of it. It's in him, and now it's just more of being consistent with it and putting it all together. Yeah, totally. Like you said, you know, he's never going to really, you know, break into that hyper-elite tier of players unless, you know, he really breaks through with his playmaking. And, you know, I really think he's capable of doing that. Um, you know, like I said, he showed flashes. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, the Lakers game smart had a really efficient shooting night. Um, I believe he was, I want to say he was eight of 14. Let's see. Um, he was nine of 13, excuse me. And Dennis Roder was eight of 14. So, you know, to have our backcourt that people are worried about the shooting, you know, if they're not shooting super well from three, um, you know, they have to at least be scoring efficiently inside of the line and we've seen a lot of that from Dennis um in the mid-range pull-ups and just attacking the hoop so I mean you know we went back to the bench and he played uh, really well again tonight but I think you know Dennis really proved something to me I think in the time that Jalen was out uh you know the kind of offense he can sustain you know the kind of load he can really carry yeah no absolutely I think Dennis uh, was a really good contributor to this team when Jalen Brown was out and he stepped up really well. I know he went back to the bench roll as Jalen Brown finally returned from his injury in this game against the Houston Rockets. But um, I think that Dennis is going to 
continue to get similar minutes in a sense. Like I, I looked at the minutes tonight just to kind of see, and I understand it's like a blowout, but to see that Dennis Schroeder still had the second most minutes on the team, you know, says something that like, I think he's earned himself at least 24 plus minutes guaranteed going forward. So um, it'll be interesting to see the type of lineups we're going to be able to run and stuff. But Dennis is a big factor into how the Celtics want to be and how they want to play, especially when you got guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown sitting on the bench. Yeah. No, I mean, Dennis just really proved, you know, a lot of people can't guard him, honestly, is what he showed me. A lot of people can't stay in front of him, especially if you're switching. He has the speed to absolutely blow by you. And, you know, if you do have the speed to kind of stay with him, he can stop on a dime and hit those pull-up jumpers. And we needed that offense uh, without Jalen there, so it was really good to see him provide that punch. Um, And then, you know, Marcus would have been kind of, you know, maybe struggling. I mean, not kind of. He definitely was struggling to begin the year offensively. Uh, it was good to, you know, see him chip in and have a really good game against the Lakers. Um, off On the offensive side of the ball, you know, he always steps up defensively. Um, only took two threes, one of two. You know, I really don't hate that for Marcus. He didn't, you know, have a quick trigger, but he ended up scoring uh, 22 points. Um, 22, 8, and 6 for Marcus in the Laker game. Um, and I think, you know, you know, whether you're looking at the box score, whether you're watching, I mean, it doesn't really matter what Marcus's number when you're watching the game. Um, you know, he always looks like he has a positive impact. So, you know, it's good to see him, you know, contribute on the offensive end and not just with these winning Absolutely. defensive plays that might not show up in the box score. Yeah, no, and I also thought, like, the Celtics, like, they got, they kind of got, like, getting hit in the face from LeBron and, and AD early on in that game. Like, AD and LeBron were just going crazy, like, hitting everything they could. Um, the Celtics just hung in there. They were tough. You know, they were resilient. You know, yeah, we were only down eight after that first quarter, but, like, giving up 38 points in the first quarter and then ultimately, like, still maintaining to hold the Lakers to 108 at the end of the game, like, that's, you know, they, they bounced back really well. They gave up 61 points in, in the first half and were able to kind of pull themselves back together there, uh, especially, you know, containing Anthony Davis in that second half was, was a huge contribute. They also came out uh, of the first half on like an 8-0 run. I think the third quarter has really been like one of their best quarters. Like they do really good at adjusting at half and coming out in the third and just kind of getting on a roll. That's a lot of time, like, what where we do our damage, it seems like, in most games has been in that third quarter. Yeah, and that, I think, is a really good sign for Ime as a head coach, um, just because halftime is obviously where you make your in-game adjustments. And, um, you know, it seems like, you know, he's really able to get the team coming out playing. Um, he can identify the weak, weak points, kind of, you know, iron them out, and, uh, you know, make things work in the second half. And listen, I would rather be a second-half team than a first-half team, so I am A-OK with the Celtics, you know, coming out swinging in the third quarter. Um, and I do just want to speak to, you know, like you said, man, LeBron and AD came out swinging. And, um, you know, Jay Rich, actually, there was a few possessions in a row there. He had a three and a couple of jumpers. Uh, I know, like, people normally talk about, you know, the clutch being the end of the game. And maybe this, these weren't clutch buckets, but they were definitely big buckets. Um, you know, that kept the game, you know, kind of respectable, honestly. So shout out Jay Rich once again. You know, he came through in the first. Timely buckets. Timely buckets. Timely That's buckets. a better term. Ones like, yes. Just real, real nice time to hit a shot or something, just kind of cool things off and kind of be like, all right, we're still in this game. We're still chipping. Yeah. No, so just shout out to Jay Rich for that because I just – those buckets really stuck out as, as timely buckets to me, you know, in the first quarter because it was – it could have gotten out of hand if we didn't if we didn't get a few of those buckets. 
Absolutely. No. And then in the third quarter, we pulled away a, a bit. And then uh, I thought Horford had a, a really crazy block on Russell Westbrook in the game around 728 mark. Um, Jason Tatum kind of took over. We were crashing the offensive boards really well as, as well. And ultimately just kind of leading us to, to really get to um, some garbage time. The fourth quarter was pretty much garbage time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even saw an Ennis Cantor, three-pointer that was followed up and responded with a Dwight Howard three-pointer, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that's something, uh, you know, that's a true once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if you really think about how bad a three-point shooters those two guys are. Um, you know, I can't believe they both were uh, firing away from deep. And guess what? I never want to see another Ennis Cantor three-pointer in my entire life. So, uh, you know, while it was fun then, I hope I never, ever see it again, honestly. Hopefully that's not too hard. Yeah, it's funny we, we we saw it we saw it tonight. <laughs> and this character did attempt that uh, that three pointer from Aaron Neesmith pass. Why did he do that again? Why? Listen, I don't want him getting that type of confidence because I don't want him thinking he can shoot that. You know, just in like the third quarter of a game. I hope he knows better than that. I think he probably does, but that I, I don't know. Ennis Cantor for me, like. I don't want to hate on him too much, but it is just so painful for me to watch him out there on the basketball court because even if he's not directly getting cooked, he is indirectly affecting the game negatively. Like, you know, on a pick and roll I saw tonight, Dennis made a brilliant pass to him. There was about three options he could have passed. Yes. I mean, it's good to get Rob and Al rest, so I can't blame Ime too much, but it is just tough for me to watch this guy, Ennis Cantor, on the court for us. You know what? I thought he was pretty good in that OKC game, though. He, he wasn't bad. Cantor played. He, he, had, he had his, that was his best game with us this year so far, I think. Um, going into that OKC game, that, do you have anything else left on that on that Lakers matchup? I mean, no, I mean – Nothing really. I mean, I'm just glad, you know, it's always good to put a beating on the Lakers. Um, so that just felt good, especially in the fashion that we did it without our second best player. Um, so, yeah, you know, I just want to say that felt good. That felt good. And that was the beginning of a little of a little wood streak we got going. It felt amazing. Well, yes, that- sir. And then it led into that OKC game where, you know, we we had some – Exciting moments, and then we had some moments where we were scratching our head going, what the hell is going on? And, you know, Celtics, you know, they, they started off this game, I thought, a bit relaxed, I want to say. I, I thought they kind of didn't come out with as much, like, emphasis and energy as they normally do. Um, Tatum had a, had a pretty crazy bounce pass, though, and in that first quarter. I don't know if you, you remember it, but it was at the 10 3 mark where he – he was under the basket. He threw it between the legs and hit Grant Williams in the corner, but Grant missed it. Yes. It was an insane pass. It was at the 10 3 mark of that first quarter in that OKC game. If you didn't catch it, you got to go back and look at it. And I literally, like, my jaw dropped. And it was like a Luca like pass. And I was just like, holy crap. If that shot would have went in, it probably would have been one of the assists of the year. It was just a crazy pass. Yeah. No, like we said. Jason flashing more and more of this uh, elite playmaking ability. You know, I know you mentioned that Grant missed that, but that was only one of two or three pointers he missed. The rest of them he made. Uh, Grant with four of six from three. Um, 
I don't know, Patrick. What are you thinking? How are you feeling about Grant in general? Because, listen, he was a, a person a lot of fans last year, you know, kind of rode, hated, hated watching him play, hated him seeing out there. But, you know, his jump shot looked vastly improved. And honestly, he's been one of my favorite players to watch this season. I really can't get enough of this Grant, this, this new Grant. The Slim Grant, Grant, we'll call him. I love Grant. Slim Grant, real. I love Grant Williams. Grant Williams is just – he's a hustle guy. And I don't know why. I just feel like when he makes a mistake – it's just so easy for people just to hate on. Like he could literally do eight really amazing plays in a row. And if he does like one bad play after that, I feel like people just get stuck with that bad play with him. And it's just yeah. so bad for him. But no, I have him in my notes in that first quarter. He had defense on SGA where he was staying with SGA. And I was just like, whoo, Grant Williams locking up SGA. Let's go. Like this is, this is crazy. But um, Grant Williams has been amazing. I think he's, He's overall just been uh, a really big player. He stepped in a lot of times when Robert Williams isn't available, Al Horford's not available. He goes right into that starting lineup, and he instantly gives us a boost. We saw that game. Um, I forget against who, but him and Tatum were just popping off against um, – he was the only one. It was the Atlanta game, right, where we wow. lost. But Grant Williams was one of the key computers, just him and, him and Tatum, and nobody else was really helping him. So – uh, Grant's been great. Uh, he's been really like every time he shoots a corner three now, I'm like, oh, that's going in. Like it's probably gonna swish too. Like he's not just like barely making these shots; he's swishing. These things look pretty. So I just love the fact that he's he's grown. I loved him at Tennessee in college. Now he's he's transitioning to his NBA game. And who knew? You know, a few years in the league, and you you continuously get better and better. And you can see a guy who's been really working on his game. That's a guy in the offseason, you know, who took it personal and was like, I want to get better. I want to be more, you know, relied on. I want to have the ability to help my teammates. And it's shown from Grant Williams, and you can only respect that. Oh, yeah. If there's some things that were never in question with Grant, it was his work ethic, his character, his commitment to being a good teammate. And, you know, I think that's kind of culminated all in a really positive on-court player now that his jump shot has came around. Like we said, he's, you know, kind of slimmed up and, Honestly, Patrick, that is my favorite thing. You know, I love the three-pointers. But the fact that Grant can check some guys in isolation situations who are supposed to be ball handlers, I mean, that's a huge positive as far as Grant's ability to, you know, last in the playoffs and, you know, play in crucial situations. If he gets switched on to somebody, you know, he's not a liability. He can, you know, actually, God forbid, move his feet pretty well. I can't believe I'm saying that about Grant, but you know that is something that stuck out to me over the past couple games. And obviously, I'm not saying we want we want Grant to be the primary defender on Shea, but you know, on a switch, if you can hold your own for good five to seven seconds, I mean, that's an absolute win. So that is a really big positive I've seen out of Grant, and you know, I don't want that to go overlooked because if that stays, that's going to be a really valuable asset down the stretch. Absolutely, and then uh, in that in that game as well, um, the Celtics' ball movement against OKC was amazing. They had ten assists in the first quarter alone. Um, thought that was very noteworthy. Um, then they they started that second quarter a little bit too relaxed, and then they they were playing well on both sides of the ball right after a few minutes, and then Tatum was just lit on fire. Like he he went on like a nice little run of his own and just kind of like caught fire. And then Smart had a had a beautiful lob as well to Grant Williams with 220 left. Ultimately, going into the half, Celtics were in control, 58 to 45. And I also noted that Grant Williams' corner threes, man, so consistent that he's he's just a knockdown corner specialist now. That's 
that's Romeo and Grant Williams to me. But Romeo Langford is a knockdown corner guy, and so is Grant, which is wild because going into the season, we probably would have said Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, Romeo, you know, he airballed one tonight, but it's for the for the most part. I mean, he's making more than he's than he's you know missing badly, or at least you know they're close if they're missing. Um, so you know that's a real positive change from Romeo. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I have some thoughts about Neesmith. We'll see. I mean, we can get to him when we when we talk about this game, uh, the game tonight, because, you know, I think those are the type of shots, you know, a couple of the shots he took right when he checked in. Those are the shots oh, yeah. he should be taking. You, do you know that I was jumping? Do you know that I was jumping up and down? Well, I knew this. I literally thought to myself, I said, I know Patrick is absolutely rejoicing right now. And, you know, I mean, if he would have hit that third corner one. Oh, my God. You might have, I would have lost my I was shit. About to say, you would have went crazy. Um, but you know that uh, I just want to shout out that block Grant had leading to one of those in tonight's game. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that block was that block was dumb. Man, Grant is really good. Grant is a pretty Grant can, Grant can get up there and block a shot. Like we've seen it multiple times. Him make some really really impressive plays at the rim. So that's just I don't know. I'm loving Grant. I'm just loving what Grant is bringing right now, and I think he's been really crucial. The people will continue to clown him. Uh, you know, but when he, you know, has a hand in beating your favorite team, I don't want you to clown him anymore. And Lucas will be the the biggest stand for him, and he will come for your Listen, neck. I love Grant. You know, I, I liked him in college a lot, and I knew he kind of could unlock some offensive potential. I thought he was going to take the step last season. Looks like I was one season too early, but, you know, I believed. Um, but, you know, in the OKC game, um, what, were, what were you saying right before that? Sorry, before I got distracted by the Neesmith threes. No, I mean, the, we were just talking about Grant Williams' threes consistent. Him and Romeo were, were solid. And in, uh, in that first half alone, uh, Celtics shot 50% um, from the field, 40% from deep, 17 assists, only two turnovers. And then they held OKC to 37% from the field and 38 from deep um, on a nine assist and four turnovers. So Celtics really were just bullying. They, they were clearly the better team. And they came out of that, that first half, going to the second half, really – didn't skip a beat, looked solid. And then they let Josh Giddy get a little hot. Like he started getting a little – he started hitting a couple shots. I was like, oh, man, here we go, you know, going to let these guys kind of slide their way back in and everything like that. But um, also a moment in that game, this was the game where Marcus Smart, um, in the 5-24 mark of the third, uh, he dove on the floor and out-hustled SGA for that loose ball when they were still up 23 points that led to that Tatum dunk. And I was just like, man, leave it to Marcus smart. Who's playing like it's we're down 20 and we need those plays when we're up 20. Like that's such a, that's why Marcus smart is beloved by all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marcus is going to give it all no matter the score. And you know, that's just what we love Marcus for. Like you said, that's why he's beloved by all. Um, because you know, we only ended up winning by six. So you know, that right there is proof that every possession matters no matter um, how comfortable you may feel. You should never take your foot off the gas pedal because, you know, the Celtics were winning this in, this game. They were leading uh, the entire game from, I believe, around the seven-and-a-half-minute mark on, um, and they never relinquished the lead. But, you know, the closest it got was back in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it was crazy, too, because Ime pulled the starters out with a minute left, and we were up 14. Jeez. And the and the bench went in 
and Ime literally had to put in the starters back in with like 20 seconds left. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, how embarrassing. OKC literally watched the whole entire bench unit come in and immediately played full court press and just started hitting every single every single shot. It was insane. It was absolutely absurd. It was embarrassing. So I was happy that the Celtics um, took that embarrassment uh, ending to the OKC game and, and let those frustrations out on Houston the next game. Oh, tonight was honestly great. Um, you know, the first quarter was back and forth. But, I mean, after that, it just felt like the Celtics just absolutely controlled the game. Um, you know, the four, and obviously, you know, garbage time, you know, the, the Rockets made back some points. But, you know, that second and third quarter really felt like, especially that third quarter, once again, coming out of halftime, really felt like Celtics were in, uh, were in control of this game. Yeah, uh, I thought the Celtics came out pretty aggressive. It looked like they were trying to search for Jalen Brown a little bit in that first quarter. I think that's what came off to the slow start. He was shooting and showing some early rust. Wasn't really looking too smooth. Um, But Tatum, man, Tatum came out and he was on fire. He had the first eight points for Boston. He was just – he cooked Woods, too, for like a nasty move at the 839 mark. Oh, my goodness. Patrick, he was in his duffel. Dude, he had so many moves tonight that just made me go like, bro, are oh. we playing like is he playing at like the park right now against some like nobodies? Because like he was putting people like in positions and finishing ridiculous shots. No, I mean it just feels like Tatum has found himself, you know, after a struggling beginning portion of the year. And like I said, how many times have we seen him have, you know, a couple weeks there that are bad and then just go on an absolute tear? And it feels like this is the beginning of that. And, you know, I'm not saying we should expect 30-plus every night, but just playing well, shooting well, taking the right shots. Like, I don't know. This is the JT we've all known. This is why I personally never lost faith. I don't think you personally ever lost faith. Um, you know, I know there were some Celtics fans out there doubting and a lot of non-Celtics fans hating. So just good to see JT, you know, keep proving, you know, that he is that guy. Um but, no, that third quarter, though, they came out and just dominated. I mean, they were getting stops, only allowed 16 points in that quarter, outscoring 34 to 16. Um, you know, by the time the third quarter was wrapping up, it pretty much felt like the Celtics had this one in the bag. Yeah, like Tatum was the the driving force for that first half. Like the first half wasn't great for everyone outside of Tatum. Like Tatum in that first quarter alone had 10 points. And the Celtics as a team were shooting 33% from the field and 28%. He scored our first eight points. Yeah, first eight points and had 10 in the whole quarter and out of the 22 in that first quarter. So Tatum literally carried the Celtics in that first half, had 22 points of the Celtics 52. He was the only Celtic in double digits in the first half. Um, so seeing him eventually, you know, he, he kept the Celtics in the game. That's why it was a five-point game going to halftime. But Tatum was the reason that the Celtics were up. Nobody else was helping him. He let them kind of wait until they get in rhythm. And once – you know, by the time Tatum came in the second half, they didn't need him because everybody else turned up. Like, he only had eight points in the whole second half. He had 22 in the first half, eight points in the second half because he didn't need to do anything else. Um, the effort on the defense event also was a lot better to start the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Horford was hitting some ridiculous three-pointers, and we were just <laughs> playing with a lot of force moving the ball uh, in the second half. Plus, the defense was just clamps, man. It was just a bunch of clamps, and I was just super happy to see – the, the Celtics kind of turn it up. And I really want to shout out Romeo Langford because oh. 
um, the way he plays defense doesn't get recognized because they avoid him. Like teams legit avoid Romeo. I've noticed like when you play Romeo on the court on the defensive side, it's essentially four and four because they just ignore that guy, that matchup and just try not to do it. Yeah, he's great in ball denial. He really doesn't let them even catch. Um, and you know, when he does, you know, he's working very hard to prevent anything good from happening. I mean, Romeo's really showing his value on the defensive end. And even he had a couple of rebounds tonight, Patrick, offensive and defense where I was like, uh, Wow, like Romeo is a really good athlete, and I feel like you know maybe he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, but, but he's a pretty functional athlete, like you know he moves really well in the defensive end, and like I'm saying, it, you know, enables him for putbacks and for re- and for rebounds. So, you know, shout out to Romeo. I think he had a really good game tonight. You know, two or four from three, love to see that. You know, forget forget that one of those yeah, are air balls. Nine but, from the field. You know, yeah, ten points is we'll take ten points for Romeo any night. Um, in in less than twenty minutes of play, oh, like if even. True contribute that off the bench we appreciate that he also had two steals you know um was very active in the passing lanes was really good in denial uh but then uh also in that third quarter was when Jalen brown got to get cooking oh my welcome God. back Jalen brown Jalen brown was he started to get in a little bit of rhythm in that second quarter at the end but like in that third quarter, man, he had the at the seven twenty nine mark. You have to go back if you did not catch this game for some reason. You have and to. And you're listening to us recap before you go back to the seven twenty nine mark of the third quarter, and watch the Jalen Brown Euro step when he finishes a layup that doesn't even hit a backboard, doesn't hit no rim, and just goes in. And you just like it looked like a complete circus shot, and that baby just went straight in. It was insane. Yeah, he scored eight points in about fifty seconds. Set the garden absolutely ablaze. Uh, it was clear the Boston fans were glad to have Jalen back, just like we were. And, you know, I know you said earlier, you know, it seemed like they were searching for him in the beginning of the game. I kind of wish he just, you know, went to the hoop a little bit instead of starting with a few jumpers. But I obviously understand coming off an injury. You know, just trying to get your rhythm, you know, take some in-rhythm jump shots. I totally understand that. Um, but, you know, I believe his first bucket was a layup. And then, you know, he got that layup, next shot, three-pointer, net didn't even move. Uh, you know, once you see the ball go through the hoop, you know, it's just a little easier to make a bucket. Shout-out Jalen, though. Yeah, they called the timeout on him quick, too. They called the timeout, like, really quick after that 8-0 run that he had. They're like, oh, man, Jalen Brown's getting caught. Timeout. Yeah, you don't want that. Um, and then, you know, another positive sign on Tatum. He was – this is going to sound weird that I'm saying, I'm saying it's positive, but he was one of one of nine for three tonight. But you know what? That made him inside the three-point line, which is, you know, kind of where I worry about him more than outside, is uh, he was 9 of 13 inside the paint. If you're shooting 9 – or uh, inside the three-point line, excuse me. If you're shooting 9 of th- 13 from twos, I mean, that's otherworldly efficiency. He made all his free throws tonight. You know, it kind of looked like his free throw woes hopefully are, you know, going to be dispelled because he was missing more than he usually does. Tonight he was nine of nine. He was like one a game at least yeah. minimum. So he was nine of nine. That was great to see. Um, so just want to say that's a good thing to see Tatum. You know he's making his mid range jumpers and he's finishing inside strong. And you know I'm really not worried about the three pointer. I'm really not. The Celtics were actually almost perfect from the line outside of that Ennis Cantor late free throw that he missed like in garbage time. That's so annoying, Ennis. Why did you have to ruin this for us? <laughs> Just to build on the hate that uh, Lucas has for Ennis Cantor <laughs> Listen, already. It's just brutal. 
And let me just say, it is strictly because of on-court things is why is where my disdain for Ennis Cantor comes. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything else. It's more his pick-and-roll defense is the crux of it. And then, you know, missed layups is probably, you know, the second point. But uh, we don't need to harp on that. We don't need to be too negative. Uh, no, absolutely. Like, this was just an all-around great game. I mean, once again, we're seeing Ime really showing his true colors as a defensive coach. I know the Rockets are not a great team, but they definitely have some talent. Um, Armani Brooks, you know, do I mean he was filling it up tonight? He has a clip. He, I, I had to, I had to go check real quick to see what the the, the most record for most three pointers in a in a game were. <laughs> no, but for real, like uh, Armani Brooks, man, he he can shoot the heck out of that ball. Yeah, so like I know, no, there's no Kevin Porter Jr. So other guys were gonna step up, and there's definitely some young talent. But I mean, we certainly weren't gonna let Jalen Green shoot eight of ten from three again. Um, that's for sure. So, you know, it was good to see us step up on the defensive end. I know he gave up some buckets, uh, you know, in, in garbage time that honestly made the Rockets' day look even a little more respectable than it was from an offensive an offensive sense. Absolutely. And then just to kind of build on, like, that defense that the Celtics really brung in this game was the, the start of that third quarter. They allowed three points in the first seven minutes. Wow. Seven minutes. There's only three points. Yeah, and they were they went they started off the third quarter on a twenty to three run, and it was just it, the Celtics just were unconscious in that third. Um, then they came out. You know, I noticed that the the stars were were starting in the fourth quarter. I think Ime was a bit frustrated with the OKC game where he let the bench go in and try to rest some guys, and was like, I got to throw the stars back out there because he just blew a lead in like forty seconds. He learned his lesson. He's like, I'm I'm leaving some stars out there. Um, stars didn't really get pulled until around six, five minutes left in the game. That's when uh, we got to see a little bit more of uh, some of the Grant Williams with that huge block at the 547 mark, which led to an Aaron Neesmith long two because his foot was on the line. Yes. And, okay, we can, we can t- talk about Neesmith now, so – you know, I'm definitely understanding where where Ime was at. You know, not playing um, Neesmith. It seems like he definitely still needs some time to you know adjust to be a true rotation player. Um, I, I actually think after seeing you know Neesmith now, I think I actually kind of understand where Ime was coming from. But tonight, you know, how we mentioned the other night on the podcast, Patrick. You know, I didn't really like what Neesmith the shots he was getting up when he was playing. Well, look tonight. You stand on the weak side. You stand in your spot. Tatum finds him with a beautiful dime, knocks down a three. And honestly, after he hit that second shot, um, you know, following Grant's block, did you see how happy the team was for him, Patrick? Yeah, they went ecstatic. I mean, they were super happy. That whole bench was jumping up and down, and they were ecstatic. Yeah, Tatum kind of just went up behind and, like, basically the team was saying something in his ear, kind of like, it's just easy for you, man. That's all you have to do. Like, is stand there and I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you for these shots. So I'm sure we'll see, you know, Neesmith grow, grow. Um, and I'm honestly kind of glad that Ime has, uh, you know, you kind of worked him in um, as opposed to just, you know, throwing the fire, throwing him into the fire right away. Uh, so, you know, I think he's going to steadily improve. And, you know, his team is really behind him. That was very clear after he hit that second shot. So, you know, I think we should be behind him as well if, if his teammates clearly have so much faith. No, absolutely. I think Aaron e. Smith is – it's going to be a comfortability thing. It's going to be letting the game slow down and, and come to him a lot 
better and him just being better with his shot selection. But that's stuff that like happens with repetitiveness, right? He has to be get more reps. The more reps he gets, the better I think we're going to see version of Aaron Neesmith. So I'm not really worried about it. I think Neesmith uh, showed some of that also last year in the playoffs when he got forced into a role uh, because the team was so shorthanded. So I, I have all the faith in the world for Aaron Neesmith, as I've made it very clear on this podcast many a times. But uh, <laughs> if there's anybody who's not worried about Aaron Neesmith, it's me. Yeah, so let me just – I mean, I don't want to upset you, Patrick, but let me just throw this out there. Would you be okay with trading Neesmith for a veteran that you know can come in right now? Give us 25, 30 good minutes. It would hurt my okay. soul. I know, because it does – it does feel like I, I could use we could use one more veteran. Oh, my thing, my thing is like the veteran just doesn't seem like it. It makes us a championship team, and Neesmith has the potential of being a, a solid rotational player for us down the line, and he's part of our young core. So it's like, do you just throw his potential out the window for a guy that we maybe is useful for like two years? Yes, precisely. Honestly, yes, that's exactly what you're doing. You're saying yeah. I don't have, I don't want. I mean, you know, you're just trying to because the East, I believe, everybody thinks is pretty wide open. Now, you know, I'm not saying the Celtics should be expected to, you know, make a deep run, but I do think when you have two players as good as Jason and Jalen leading your team, you know, with a potentially stifling defense, it doesn't have a lot of holes. Um, you know, I definitely think winning some playoff series is a possibility. So, you know, down the stretch, I'm just saying, yes, you'd be sacrificing some potential. I'm not even saying I'm a complete advocate for this. It's, I'm just throwing this out there. No, I'm just good, saying you'd good, be sacrificing, you know, a few years down the line potential for a guy who you, yes, know is going to come in right now and, you know, be helpful. Who that guy is, I haven't put a ton of thought into yet. Um, but I was just wondering, Patrick, if that's something you would be open to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it, it's it would definitely have me thinking, but I'm also like thinking like the advantage the Celtics have is like outside of Al Horford, like this team is young. This team is young, young. Like this team, it doesn't have any. I don't think anybody is over the age of thirty outside of Horford, unless so, Rich Richardson's not over thirty either, right? No, no, he's late twenties. Is there any other Celtic on this roster that's over? Like maybe Hennis Cantor? I can double check. But yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. Like, I, I totally understand how, um, you know, that's a good thing, you know, being young. But in the same vein, like, do you, th- like, I guess it just depends on what you expect for the Celtics this season. Like, do you want to try and, you know, have a deep playoff run? Or would you rather just be, you know, do, do I see the Celtics team as a, as a contender is what you're trying to get at? Not even – not I, even. A, I mean, do you think we can make it to the East, Eastern Conference Finals? Um, I think we can without the trade. Okay, so then that would incline me to think we would – we should trade for a veteran who's ready right now who will be ready for that moment because there's no guarantee that Neesmith will. Now, of course, we believe and, you know, we have faith that hopefully he will, but – you know, there's a difference between a player who has proven it before and hasn't. So I, I just think it's an interesting conversation because I'm not quite sure what this team's ceiling is. Um, you know, I don't think obviously they're at their full potential, but when it comes to you know having two players, like I said, 
especially offensively and defensively, as good as Jason and Jalen, you can rattle off a couple series wins. Is all I'm saying. I don't. Obviously, I don't think we're at the final product of you know what our championship uh, championship team would look like in Boston. Um, but you know, I do think obviously there's you know a solid basis you know for a beginning. Yeah. No. You know, I I thought about like last season. I had this conversation uh, with a buddy of mine, and uh, I I just thought about like how last season we were trying to be so active at the trade deadline and everything, and the guy that I really wanted us to snag was um, Harrison Barnes. And I was just thinking about this team with Harrison Barnes on it right now, how good it would be both defensive and offensively. And Harrison Barnes has been amazing in Sacramento for anybody who's been able to catch any Kings games this year. Like, can you imagine uh, that Patrick? Oh my up. God. Now that that's a future first. If uh, Smith and maybe something else, uh, Pritchard or maybe another Pritchard, draft. Pritchard, Smith and some draft capital. I mean, obviously or... we, we would have to gauge the market, you know, maybe there'd be a better, better offer out there. But I mean, if we threw Neesmith and a, and a first Jeremy, round pick, Jeremy Grant? Maybe, I mean, Jeremy Grant stank, but, but no, if we could have Harris, I mean, Harrison Barnes has been playing phenomenal this year. So I'm not trying to act like we could get him for pennies on the dollar, but you know, a, I would probably say Neesmith and a couple firsts, I feel like is a, is a pretty reasonable package. I mean, that's yeah, a, that's there's... a overpay a little bit, but you got to overpay if you're not sending a proven commodity. So, yeah. I mean, cause then you think like, that's, that's a guy that like can, can be instant contributor and that's like he'd be he would instantly be our third best offensive option i mean imagining him on this team you know i i would love and his defense oh man got me dreaming now no no, let's not get too far down hypotheticals but i just figured i would throw the question out you know because i do think that you know trades are in play this season i I don't want to rule them out so I we haven't really talked about anything like that during the deadline, but I, and I, think I don't think we should rush to talk about trades, but I'm just saying it is definitely not out of the question. No, absolutely. And I think we've had enough sample size, you know, we're over 15 games in now and we've seen this team and we see the holes in it and the things that we can improve on. And I think, you know, you look at that towards going into the trade deadline as we get closer to it. Um, but yeah, the Celtics team is—they—they're on a roll right now. They're—they're they're playing well. They got a tough matchup on Wednesday against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, oh, can't wait for that! Right before Thanksgiving, you know. Hope everybody is is gonna have a good holiday. Um, also, make sure that you go head over to uh, Manscape.com and get your uh, discount over there. I believe the the discount is still Hoopball Twenty, um, if uh, I'm not mistaken even though we have changed our name to Ethos Celtics. Um, we'll keep you updated. Yeah, had, uh, yeah, if that we'll, changes. We'll keep it updated with, with, with uh, the promo code if the promo code changed. But Hoopball20 should still work. It should get you 20% off anything you get from Manscaped. Go ahead and get yourself some nice training stuff. Or you can go and buy it now and get ahead of the game, you know, before you know Christmas time is coming and, and you can gift it to some family members and stuff like that. It's a really nice setup and everything like that. You got the lawnmower. Um, to help keep your beard nice and trimmed up, or as Lucas always likes to say, downstairs, nice and trimmed. <laughs> Do I always like to say that, or was it like one time, maybe? But it was one time that we're never going to let it. Um, and it's never going it, to It's forever going to be mentioned. Yeah, listen, I, I, I made that mistake, so I, I have to, you know, wear the consequences, you know what I mean? But, uh, no, listen. So, Patrick, see, you know, you brought up Thanksgiving. I have to ask. Um, this is not basketball related, but what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? 
Oh, I, I got asked this the other the other day and I got scolded for it. But uh I feel like it's a common answer, man. I'm I'm a big pumpkin pie guy. I love some uh-huh. pumpkin pie with some whipped cream on it, more whipped cream than pie, and uh just enjoy it, man. Listen, what about I'm you? not gonna hate on you for pumpkin pie. I think pumpkin pie is pretty good. I thought you were gonna say cranberry sauce, and then I would have maybe been like, oh. whoa. <laughs> but uh no, pumpkin pie. Can't go wrong with that. But, uh, well, what's your favorite food, though? Oh, man. I have to go to stuffing. I can't even lie. I love me some stuffing because... Oh, man. You, hot take, bro. I think stuffing is so bad. Whoa, wow. <laughs> like, it's if we were be- on the other side of the spectrum and so was your least favorite Thanksgiving food, mine would be stuffing. Oh, mine's cranberry sauce, but I this might mine's be our stuffing biggest... cranberry. This might be our biggest disagreement on the pod right here is uh, stuffing, overstuffing, you know? Um, Aaron yeah, Smith or stuffing. That's pretty much it right there. Yeah. Oh man, that yeah, I can't I can't do it, man. What is your least favorite um item? It's cranberry then? Yeah, it's cranberry by a mile. Oh yeah, man. I also I'm not I don't think I'm a I'm a big like uh the was it yams, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> the yams. I don't know, I mean, man. They they try to do some weird stuff sometimes during Thanksgiving. Man, to be completely honest, man. I don't even we'll, we'll go with hot takes here. I don't even love Thanksgiving food. All right. Um, great idea to do for your family, people at home. Um, my family, uh, what we started doing, uh, like four years back was everybody comes with a different theme, like Mexican food, Chinese food, American food, barbecue, like whatever you want. And we all put it in a hat and we draw it from the hat and we have that for Thanksgiving instead of doing the traditional Thanksgiving. That's a pretty good idea. I still make sure I still get my pumpkin pie though. Oh, right, 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 right. You know, listen, I do love the pies. The pies actually might be my favorite part. I, you might actually convince me because stuffing is good, but the pies are definitely better. So, you know, I'm just The pie it. feels like the more of the traditional part than anything else, right? You have turkey the rest of the year, but pie, I don't have turkey. pumpkin pie is more seasonal. Oh, yeah, so you yeah, don't even have true. turkey. Sure, I'm more of a chicken. I'm more of a chicken guy personally, but. I, I like the chicken more than, than turkey as well. Turkey, turkey be dry. Well, uh. Yeah, uh, we could go on. We could go down this rabbit hole for you know another another ten minutes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we should just you know, like you said, look forward to Wednesday. We have the Nets. Uh, you know, obviously facing off against Kyrie. I mean, excuse me. Wow. Against Harden and oh, KD. Oh, I didn't mean oh, to do that. Listen, I, I didn't mean to do that. I am not editing that out at all. Listen, no. I didn't mean to do that, and I absolutely wish that Kyrie was playing, get the shot, but uh. But, you know, um, Harden and uh, KD is, you know, as formidable a duo as you can absolutely play against the NBA. So, obviously, this won't be easy. But, uh, you know, I think uh, JT relishes these type of matchups with the other star wings, such as KD, such as PG, LeBron. So, I expect to see another great game from Tatum. And, you know, I hope we can get another win. This would be huge. Uh, you know, hopefully the uh, peanut gallery can, you know, keep – Pipe down about the Celtics if the you know the Celtics managed to pull this one out. Absolutely. So that's that's all we're hoping for here is we're we're going into this game with a lot of momentum, and I think that uh, we definitely have the opportunity to to continue this this winning streak, man. I, I there's no reason not to think so. We got Jalen Brown back. Hopefully, Robert Williams and Jalen Brown are going to be a good to go for Wednesday. They have a whole day off, and they were limited today. They didn't play a bunch of minutes, so. Uh, Let's hope on for uh, Wednesday, and then, uh, that way we can enjoy ourselves a nice Thanksgiving with knowing that the Celtics won. Yes, sir. No disagreements from me. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Make sure you guys do go to Apple Podcasts, go and rate the show. Uh, 
Ethos Celtics um, podcast is on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave a five-star rating and a review. I know you guys are going to be at your family functions. Make sure you share the podcast with your families. Have everybody go up on that phone and just write a nice review for us. It only takes like 30 seconds for you to put five stars and write something nice, man. That's all. We really, really would appreciate it. Um, it helps us out a lot. Yes, please. Rate, review, show your friends, everything. Uh, appreciate to everybody who tunes in. Um, and we will talk to you on Wednesday night before uh, before Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And then make sure you guys go follow the show. It's at uh, Ethos Celtics on Twitter. And then you can also follow me at Ball and Opinions and Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer. Don't put an S at Lucas because then you won't find. All right, guys. Have a wonderful night. Thank you guys so much.